Welcome to the Love First Podcast, where we are committed to biblical teaching and sharing the principles and the promises of living out our faith according to what Jesus says are the two greatest commandments, loving God with our whole being and loving others as ourselves. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to help build your faith and deepen your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. A few months ago, I had a situation with my toe that it was very, very infected. In fact, for a little while in there, it was touch and go whether or not I was going to be able to keep my toe or if it was going to have to be amputated. But after several different rounds of different antibiotics and other medication and staying off my feet for for a while so it would be uh, giving time to heal, we finally it got out of the, uh, the woods with that and everything's okay now. Well, what it ended up happening was I needed, with the different shoes that I wear and stuff like that, I needed some kind of insert or orthotics to keep me from walking on my feet the way that I was because it would form uh, a callus on certain parts of the toe that probably doesn't need a callus. And when I would lose that callus, then it got infected and things went from bad to worse. And I'll tell you what, it hurt a lot of times. It hurt to walk. It hurt to stand. Sometimes in the middle of the night, it would, I would just wake up with it hurting. And oh man, if somebody stepped on my toe, oh, that hurt. And it was like, okay, grit your teeth for a little while and bear the pain and it will be okay when it finishes that sharpness of the pain that happened when somebody steps on it. But how many of you know that sometimes it's okay to have your toes stepped on? In fact, in in this three-week series that we're opening with here, there might be a few times that some of your toes may be stepped on. And really, that's okay. Because it's not that my goal is to step on your toes. My goal is actually to set you free to give you some information, to give you some uh, thoughts, give you some some scriptural principles that will actually set you free. Free to live a life without fear of uh, not measuring up uh, to whatever standard it is that's set before you. Maybe it's a standard you've set. Maybe it's a standard uh, your parents have set for you. Maybe it's a standard that church has set for you, or maybe it's a standard you believe God has set for you. Well, I'm here to give you some information that will help free you from that fear of measuring up. Uh, But more importantly, I want to set you free to learn to love. Some of us have grown up without a real ability to love the way that Christ loves because of some areas in our life that are keeping us from that. And it's gonna go back to that whole fear of measuring up type stuff. So, um, you know, many people have broken away from the church, have broken away from Christianity. In fact, some studies show that people are leaving the church in droves, at least here in the United States. And, and that's kind of scary. And, and I've wondered sometimes, why is that? Is it because the world is going to hell in a handbasket? Or is it because the church is no longer teaching the truth? And why is it that people are leaving the church? 
and why we don't have as many people coming to church even for the first time as what we used to have. And the more I, I looked into it, the more I studied, the more I talked to people, and it's not so much the fact that the church isn't teaching what it should be teaching, although there are times in a lot of churches that they really don't stand uh, firmly on the scriptures anymore. And it's not because the, the allure of the world is so powerful that they just can't help but follow the ways of the world, although there's that issue too. The truth of the matter is, people look at Christians, they look at you, they look at me, and they, and they say, why do I want to do that? Because so much of the world doesn't see Christianity the way that Jesus taught Christianity. You see, we look at the world, or the world looks at us more like judgmental hypocrites. And you know what? I can't say that I blame them all the time because I know many Christians, and in fact, I know I'm that way a lot of times too, that, that we give looks, make comments, post on social media, whatever it is that shows the world that we are judgmental. And not only are we judgmental against the, the people in the world, but we are judgmental against ourselves, other Christians. Now that's a whole other topic for, for another day. But understanding this, that the church, the Christians, what we often demonstrate, what we often teach, what we often show, what we often tell the people around us is, hey, if you want to be a Christian, you've got to live this kind of way. You've got to follow these rules and regulations. There's a list of do's and a list of don'ts that we need to follow because that's what pleases God that God wants us living a certain way. Now, I won't discount the fact that there is a way that God wants us to live, but it's not always what we say it is. Um, you see, I lived it. I grew up with it. I grew up, and whether it was exactly on purpose or we didn't know any better or if it was just what my brain caught, but I believe that to be, you know, when I was in elementary school, which I grew up in a Christian home, uh, when I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, even college, I was taught certain things that a good Christian did and things that a good Christian doesn't do. And we all have our own list. But, but let me just give you one that some of you can say, what? Um, I never went to any school dances in middle school and in high school because... I was taught that dancing was a sin. In fact, three years of middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, um, I we had this unit every year in PE where they taught us how to do little uh, dance and stuff like that, square dancing or line dancing and things like that. And I always had a note brought that said I could not participate in this because... I was a Christian, and it was a sin for me to do that. Now, I know some of you are saying, that's crazy. And you might be right. But that's the way I grew up. That's what I was taught. That's what I believed. That's the way I lived. And you know, it got, it's so bad now that even as an adult, I still have no rhythm. In fact, if I were to, and I've tried it before, uh, put a T25 workout on, on the 
TV screen, I can't even do that properly because I really have no rhythm because rhythm must be bad because it's part of dancing or something. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I never had any practice or maybe I just don't have rhythm, period. But that's the way it is. Um, but Jesus came to, to set us free from all those kind of rules. And you know, churches all have those kind of rules. Denominations have those kind of rules. I remember years ago uh, talking to one of my students. He was a junior in high school. And he told me that his family used to be Baptist, but now they're Methodist. And so I asked him, you know, why, you know, what, what, what doctrine did you change your mind on and all that? And he told me the most interesting thing, and it almost makes me laugh even to this day, is he said, well, in the Baptist church, they taught us that drinking beer was a sin. But in the Methodist church, it was okay to drink beer, and my dad and mom really liked to drink beer, and so we moved to the Methodist church. That's just a little prime, kind of almost humorous example of what the teachings of the church, uh, how they tell you how you have to live. And, you know, all churches have, have their same, or have their ideas. You know, some were talking about uh, baptism. You have to have, uh, be immersed in baptism to, to really be a Christian. Uh, you have to tithe uh, 10% of your income. You have to go to church uh, every single time the doors are open. And, you know, all of those are great things. And, you know, and maybe we should do, do those things. But to make that a litmus test on what it means to be a good Christian doesn't go along with what the Bible teaches us of what it takes to be a good Christian. And in this three-week series, we're gonna learn exactly what the Bible teaches on what it means to be a good Christian. And it's gonna come down to just one thing. You hear that? It's not a list of rules like, like the Old Testament Jews had a list of over 600 laws they had to follow. And we have one that could be divided into two or three, but it's all kind of connected there. And we'll touch on that, and I'll do a series on that uh, throughout the course of uh, my time here. Uh, it's going to be something that, for some of you, is just going to totally revolutionize your life. When you realize, I don't have to live by all these rules and regulations. I just need to do this one thing. And, of course, the title of this series is The Only Thing That Really Counts. And we're going to learn about what that is as we go through this series and how to live it, and I think you're going to love it. Uh, so anyway, uh, the thing is, what our churches do today, what Christians do today, is when we set up with these do's and don'ts and these rules and regulations, these ideas of this is what you got to do to be a good Christian, when we go through all of that, we're doing nothing more than doing what the Old Testament did with their 600 plus laws that the Jews had to follow. We're just transferring it into these are the rules that you have to follow to be, be a Christian. Old Testament, to be accepted by God. New Testament, to be a good Christian, or at the same time, be accepted by God. And that's just simply not the case. Uh, you see, Jesus came to this earth to set us free from the penalty and the power of sin. But do you really think he came to set us free from one thing 
only to enslave us to a bunch of rules and regulations. Not a chance. For Jesus, it's a lot more than just following a bunch of rules and regulations and laws and do's and don'ts. And that's what we're going to be learning about here. Uh, our series is, uh, here is going to come from Galatians chapter 5. And in here, we're going to learn how to move past all those do's and the don'ts, the rules and regulations, and we're going to narrow it down to just that one thing, the only thing that really counts. Now, some of you will see what deep down inside you always knew that Christianity is not a set of rules, but somehow you were bombarded with the idea that, that it had to be. What else was it? And, you know, we probably all heard the, the term, well, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. But what does that mean? What does a relationship really mean? Does it just mean I pray all the time, and I read the Bible, and I go to church, and I follow these rules, and follow those rules? No, it's something else. The only thing that really counts. And some of you are going to realize that all those things you thought it took, all those things you were expected to do, you don't have to worry about so much because it's all going to become a very simpler form of Christianity for you. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. By simple, I don't mean that it's going to be easy because we're going to go against the natural grain of who we are inside, the way we were born, the idea that the world revolves around us. We're going to have to break past that. And we're going to show you how to do that and what that means. All right, so let's jump into our text and look at Galatians chapter 5 and the first, say, four or five verses. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again to slavery to the law. Listen. I, Paul, tell you this, if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Now let's not get confused here with Paul's use of the word circumcision. You see, circumcision was just a tradition, a law uh, in the Jewish culture that all Jewish males had to be circumcised. The problem was that there is now Gentiles becoming Christians and the Jewish Christians were trying to tell the Gentile Christians, hey, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to follow our laws, our rules, our traditions. And, and Paul was saying here that no, you don't. Now, keep in mind this. What circumcision was to the first century church, all those rules and regulations and do's and don'ts and stuff that we put on today is what it is to the 21st century Christian. And Paul here in Galatians says to stand strong in our new freedom because Christ set us free. He set us free from the penalty of sin, meaning 
we are not going to hell any longer. We can spend eternity in heaven. He set us free from that power of sin that says we are no longer ruled by sin. We don't have to sin. We have a way out from sin. And he set us free, and this is the best part, he set us free to live a life of love, of joy, of peace. He didn't take us from one form of slavery or bondage and put us into another one. He didn't take us from the bondage to sin, what we were before Christ, where we had no choice but to sin because that's what sinners do. They sin. And set us free from that only to say, oh, but hey, by the way, you now have to be a slave to all these rules and regulations that uh, may or may not even be in the Bible. That's always a tough one. All right, so I will go as far as to say this, that, that if we live our, our lives by a list of rules, hoping to have God and others accept us or love us more, then we aren't truly forming a relationship with God. We are forming a relationship with rules. Let me say that again, because I think it's important enough to emphasize again. If we go as far as to say that, that we live our life by a list of rules, uh, hoping that we would be accepted by God and others and loved by God and others uh, more by following these rules, then we are not really forming a relationship with God. We're forming a relationship with rules. Now, verse 2 that we've already read tells us that if you let yourself be circumcised, if you let yourself live under the self-imposed or the others-imposed beliefs on what it means to be accepted and to be loved by God more, then Christ has no value to you at all. You get that? If we're basing our relationship with God on these lists of rules, on these lists of these do's and don'ts, of trying to follow certain customs, then Christ really has no value to us at all. Verse 4 goes on to tell us that those who are trying to be justified by the law, they're, they're trying to gain more of God's love, more of God's acceptance, by trying to live under these others imposed standards. It says they have fallen away from grace. And see, and here's the key. Grace is the fundamental part of Christianity. It's what God gives us that enables us to live by faith. God gives us the grace that enables us to love him. God gives us the grace that enables us to love others. And those are the, that's the essence of Christianity there is loving God and loving others. And we simply, according to the Bible there, we simply cannot do that without God's grace. And it says if we're trying to follow rules, trying to, to do things on our own to try to set us up to be accepted by God and be loved by God or be accepted and loved by people, then we have negated God's grace. All. And to think that, that I would be without God's grace, oh, that's a crushing thing. Now, we cannot really truly understand God's grace if we still sometimes tie our worth into following certain expectations. 
whether those are expectations put on us by others or expectations put on us by ourselves, I guarantee you one thing though, they're not expectations put on us by God because, get this, there is nothing that we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing we can do that can make God love us less. Now, I know we've all heard that and we know that in, in our heads. That's part of our little doctrine here. But did you also know that there is nothing I could ever do that would disappoint God? Think about it. There is nothing. I cannot go and commit any sin. I cannot go and refrain from doing something. I can't, if I skip church next week, that doesn't disappoint God. God is not disappointed in me. If I do something and, and fly off the handle and, and anger at somebody, God is not disappointed in me. If, if I commit some other uh, more gross sin, God is not disappointed in me. Now, why? How? How can I say that? Well, I say that because I believe in a God of love and a God of grace. And if there's one thing I know about God is God knows everything from the beginnings of the earth before that even to now. And there is no way you can be disappointed in something that you already know is going to happen. So God already knows when I'm going to mess up. God already knows the mistakes I'm going to make. God already knows everything bad I'm going to do. He knows everything good I'm going to do. He knows if I'm going to skip church. And he's not disappointed because he already knows. You can't be disappointed in something that you already know is the, the fact that it's going to happen. So, as long as we Christians try to perpetuate the idea of teaching that makes people somehow think that their worth is based on their performance, then we are perpetuating the idea that helps people leave the church because no one wants to be a part of that anymore. That, that hellfire and brimstone idea that you've got to live this way or God is not going to accept you is not the truth. And people are tired of hearing that. What people are wanting is they're wanting to know that there is a God up there that loves them and that there are people around that love them. And that is the, the essence of, of, of Christianity. That is the only thing that counts. That's all there is to it, is we love God and we love our neighbors as ourselves. And man, I'm going to be teaching a lot about that uh, over the course of many, many weeks. That's always going to be the theme we're coming back to, is love is first. Love is first. The two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. It all starts with love. It doesn't start with a bunch of rules and regulations. It doesn't start with a bunch of do's and don'ts. It doesn't start with, I have to go to church every Sunday. It doesn't start with, I have to give 10%. It doesn't start with, I have to read my Bible every day and I have to pray every day and I have to do this and I have to do that. It's, no, I need to... Except God's grace in me, the thing that enables me to love him more and to accept his unconditional, unending love for me, and it enables me to love others. And it enables me to know and love myself. Because if I just look at what I know about me, man, I'm unlovable. 
But through God's grace, I can love myself. And then I can turn and I can love my neighbors. And then I can love God. It all works together. And boy, we're going to be hitting hard on that one over the course of months and months because that's the central theme. Love first, I believe, is the central theme to the entire Bible. And that's why we've named this whole ministry here, Love First. So as long as we are more concerned with our own self, with our own following rules, with our own, hey, you, you got to live up to what I believe a standard is, or I don't really want to associate with you. And instead of believing and living in the only thing that really counts, and we're going to really talk a lot more about that next time, when we hit verse 6 of Galatians chapter 5, that we're going to learn that the only thing that really counts is faith expressing itself through love. Love for God, love for myself, love for my neighbor. It's all wrapped together, tied together into one nice thing that enables us to live the Christian life the way God intended us to live. Now, I know most of you really don't believe that Christianity is a set of rules. We've all been taught, you know, it's a relationship, not a religion. It's, it's a relationship with God, not following rules about that. Um, but somehow we still let others think that's what we believe. The way we treat others, and we're going to really go into that here in the next couple of weeks, um, lets them believe that we believe Christianity is all about living up to certain standards, following certain expectations. And sometimes we live ourselves, even though in our head we know that's not theologically sound, in our heads we know that, but in our hearts we still want to hang on. And I'm going to explain to you why in just a minute. Um, that's because we've allowed our, we haven't allowed ourselves to fully go through what I call the salvation process. Um, and let me briefly explain that. Uh, our entire life, for those of us who, who are Christians, uh, we started our lives in, in the realm of condemnation. That's, that's the fancy term for it, where everybody's born that way. And, and you know, before Christ, before we become a follower of Christ, we lived a life of uh, condemnation meaning our sin has dominion over us, our sin is ruling us, it's going to send us to hell. But when Christ came and died and rose again for us, and we've uh, learned to accept God's grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 talks about that, when we've learned to accept God's grace through faith, then we are what the Bible says is we are justified. That's justification. Now that's a legal term that basically means the penalty for that sin that you had, it's been wiped away. And you no longer have to worry about that. So, in other words, we've now got our ticket punched to heaven because we have been justified by God's grace. And we no longer have to worry about that penalty of sin, hell. But the problem is so many of us stop right there because, we sure, we've got our ticket punched to heaven and, and we want to live for Christ and we, we love God as much as we can and we try to do the right things, but there's the problem that we've been talking about to all, all of today is we're still holding on to part of that old religion because we haven't learned yet to move on from it. We're still holding on to all those old ideas that all religions of the world have that 
your acceptance by God is based on a performance. It's based on what you do or what you don't do. And so even though we know that we are going to heaven and that's not going to change, we still are holding on to that old way of thinking that says, I've got to perform to please God. I've got to do something to make him love me more. I've got to not do things so he doesn't love me less. And, and we're holding on to that. And as long as that's still part of our mindset, we're never moving on into the next stage of our salvation. And that's what we call sanctification. Now, sanctification is not a one-time thing. And it's not even something we're going to fully get to while we're here on earth. Sanctification is a process that we're going through the rest of our lives. It's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. It's not about following expectations. It's about love, which is the most important thing. And now I know as we I, I quickly went through all those, but let me just remind you here that every one of you, every one of us are somewhere on that path. We are either still condemned or we're justified, but we're not trying to, but we're not sanctified uh, fully yet. We're not in that uh, sanctification process. Now, I don't think any of us here are, are uh, in that stage of glorification because that only happens upon our death when we get our, our new bodies and we're in heaven. And if we're in that glorified state right now, that would mean this podcast is being uh, listened to up in heaven, and I kind of doubt that's happened. So I'd say we're in one of those three areas right now. So my question to you is, where are you right now? Are you still in that stage where, where you feel that condemnation? Well, that's okay, because we've all been there. It's okay to be in that stage of condemnation, but it's not okay to stay there. Because what God wants more than anything else, and this is why he sent Jesus to this earth, to show his love that enables us to give us a way to move out of that stage of condemnation. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God and that he came and died and rose for our sins, then we will be out of that condemnation stage and we will be justified. We will be a, a, a Christian, if you would. And we are now justified and ready to move on. Um, I believe, though, that there are many of us here who are still just right there in that justification stage. Um, you already are a, 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 uh, a Christian, a follower of Christ, but you're still feeling like you're not measuring up. You feel like you have to do more. You have to leave behind other things. Uh, hey, I've been there. In a lot of ways, I'm still there. But, you know, God's got a plan to get us out of that. And that's kind of what this whole ministry is going to be about, is, is moving on and moving beyond into that only thing that, that really counts. Now, I believe for that for many of you, uh, God is going to break those chains of trying to measure up, of, of trying to do more to please God. And you're going to become part of a of a Christ revolution, if you will, or let me even put it a different way, a love revolution, 
Sounds like the 60s there, doesn't it? Um, and you will help lead others out of their bondage, out of their slavery, not just from sin to go from condemnation to justification, but the slavery of the following of the rules of trying to measure up and onto what, what Jesus wants in our life. So next week, we are going to dive so much deeper into not only what the Apostle Paul says here in Galatians chapter 5 about the only thing that really counts, but what Jesus tells us as well on what really counts and where our focus really needs to be. And we'll start learning how to do that. So until then, may God surround you with his love and fill you with his grace so that you can live a life demonstrating his love to the world. I'll see you next time. Hi, this is Steve Bittison. If you enjoyed this podcast or if God blessed you or taught you anything in it, I hope that you will subscribe to the Love First podcast and share it with your friends. That way you won't miss any of the upcoming teachings and messages and maybe you will help be a blessing to someone else.